Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. A couple of years ago, there was a swanky party in L.A. that got very weird very fast. It was award season, and BuzzFeed was having their Golden Globes get together at a chic restaurant. At the time, one of their big online stars, who was in a bunch of their videos, was a woman named Brittany Ashley. But Ashley didn't actually earn enough money to make ends meet. So on the side, she had a job at a restaurant, which some of her co-workers did not know, but they discovered that night. And so she had to work as a waitress at our company Golden Globes party. And everyone there was like, is this a bit? What are you doing? And she's like, no, I work at this restaurant. That's Gabby Dunn, who also worked for BuzzFeed and is also a YouTube star. And they were like, we thought, and even people that were our coworkers, like, we thought you worked for, for the company. And she's like, no. And so she had to, like, serve basically her contemporaries because the, they were not paying her enough to make a living on her own. And she was in a lot of videos, but they were not compensating her properly. Dunn says Ashley isn't alone. There's a dream for many young people that through podcasts and through YouTube and through Instagram, you can follow your passion. Musicians can attract a following and live off their music. Actors can write their own scripts and film them, which is exactly what Dunn does. Great writers can blog. Maybe they can snag a book deal. And that can happen, much in the way that you can make a living playing basketball or drumming in a band. But you might not want to bet on it. Now, though, we've entered this strange era in which fame and money have decoupled. And just because you've got adoring fans does not mean you've got a ton of cash, which Dunn discovered when she worked for a company that delivers food and convenience items to you. I mean, it was really weird when I was working for Postmates. They give you a timer, so you have to deliver the food within a certain amount of time. And I would get stopped for photos or I would someone would want to engage with me at Chipotle about like, oh, aren't you a YouTuber and all this stuff. And then I would have to be like, I have to go. I'm actually I have to deliver this. Gabby Dunn actually does now make a full time living from comedy, from her podcasts, from book contracts, from sitcom deals and from her YouTube series. Welcome to Just Between Us. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm Gabby Dunn. We have a comedy channel together. Because we're best friends and comedians. And we're an odd couple. That means one of us is different than the other one. It's a classic comedy routine. Dunn says it took about a year and a half of work while also making deliveries and doing other jobs on the side till she made enough money to pursue her passion full time. She says success was a combo of hard work and luck. And having a backup plan is crucial. You have to think of yourself not as a YouTuber, but as a musician or a makeup artist or a writer or director or producer. Because that way, you if that doesn't um, blow up for you, you still have the skill and it can still be a resume. So, for instance, if you're a makeup artist and you make a channel and it's slow goings, which a lot of us have taken a long time to grow our channels. Like, you can't expect to grow in six months. But... If someone sees that and hires you for a gig, then isn't wasn't the YouTube channel worth it? That's the view from someone on the ground, grinding it out every day. Brooke Aaron Duffy has studied this new decoupling of fame and money and written about it in Not Getting Paid to Do What You Love, Gender, Social Media, and Aspirational Work. 
She's an assistant professor of communication at Cornell University, and she says that a lot of young people believe that following your passion is possible, and it is. But Duffy notes that the path to success can be deceptively tough. I think what's so interesting is we quite frequently come across these articles in the mainstream media and kind of circulated amongst our friend groups about the internet famous, these people who have incredible followings, they have this large, you know, even use the, the fan base term, they're spending a lot of their, their time and, and energy creating content, but the problem is they're not getting compensated. And there, there's various compensation models that are emerging and evolving very quickly in this new digital media landscape where advertisers are trying to reach us. But for advertisers, reaching out to a young person who has a large following on Twitter or on Instagram is kind of this perfect way to reach out to very finicky audiences where, you know, we're in the so-called attention economy. And because young people are looking for exposure, they're looking for visibility, these are kind of the the buzzwords of this new economy, Mm -hmm. they're willing to work with companies that are paying in this always deferred promise of exposure rather than any kind of financial capital. So there's two sides of that. But let's take the side of being famous but not having a lot of money. I can imagine somebody saying, why? Why would you spend any time cultivating any fame if there's no payoff at the end? Why not just, you know, be an accountant or whatever and just, like, make some actual cash? It's true. Nobody's going to know who you are on the street. But what's the good of having people know who you are on the street and just having, you know, no way to pay your rent? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a long history of these sort of dream jobs or idealized careers. I mean, artistics and creative industries, the, these are longstanding professions. But what's different now is that in this digital age, we are constantly assured that we can get paid doing what we love if we have the right kind of content to attract audiences. And, you know, the, the longer backstory of this is sort of the democratization of technologies, the idea that seemingly anyone can create content and put it up onto YouTube or, or start a blog or post on Instagram. And it's, it's a very seductive narrative, the idea that I can just have my creative expression, put it online and have this kind of ready-made fan base. But what we don't hear about is the time, the energy, and the money that goes into developing these various passion projects. Hmm. And, and you've said that unlike traditional advertising, like in the case of people who want to be stars via blogs or via Instagram, companies will often come to them, want to advertise, but but offer no compensation. So essentially you've got people, and, and you particularly look at women, doing a commercial and saying like, yeah, I will offer visibility for this lipstick or this phone and I won't get paid. How many people will do that? I think the question is how many can do it. And so, you know, to think about who can work for free. And I think the the easiest comparison is the unpaid internship system. And so I I teach media and communications classes and thinking about what kind of young person can afford to shuffle off to New York City for 
a right, summer right, right, and right. work without compensation, paying their living expenses, paying rent, and essentially doing free work. And it's people that already have access to the financial capital. Mm-hmm. They're already coming from families that are well-heeled and, and can afford to do this. And so I think there's a, a similar comparison between the social media economy and I, I think um, kind of speaks to Gabby Dunn's points earlier. Who is it that can afford to work for free and to promote these products and even spend the time and energy creating content without compensation, other more, anything more than this, this fleeting promise that maybe it one day will pay off? You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with Brooke Aaron Duffy, author of Not Getting Paid to Do What You Love, Gender, Social Media, and Aspirational Work. She's also an assistant professor of communication at Cornell. What do you see happening to the aspirational economy? Do you feel like people have a sense? If you think of aspiration as like being able to follow that thing you love and like you can turn your love for sports or beauty or food or whatever, that can be a job. Um do you see people, increasingly young people, saying, I, you know, I kind of know from people who are a few years older than me, it really can't be that, that much of a job or it's too all-consuming? Or is this attracting ever more young people in hopes of, like, being the superstar? I think it's going to continue to attract young people that, that are interested in pursuing this until we see more of the kind of anecdotes like the, you know, Gabby Dunn's case and the case from Asina O'Neill. I don't know if you know the case, but she was the Australian Instagrammer. So this was about two years ago. Um, She was an Australian Instagrammer and seemingly had this perfect life where she's posting images of herself frolicking on the beach. Mm. And, you know, she was a beautiful young woman and living in this lovely location, had a very large following and was getting paid from advertisers and so forth. And then she kind of came out and said, like, this is taking an incredible emotional toll on me. Um, I cannot do this anymore. It's it's not sustainable. I am spending all my time editing photos and dieting and mm. basically presenting an image that is, she kept saying, not real life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she had this kind of tearful message on YouTube. And at the time, a lot of people said it was a publicity stunt. But she she has really disappeared from the mm-hmm. social media landscape. And that was about two years ago. And so what I like about that case, unfortunate as the actual example was, is that it's really peeling back the curtains on this. And so the same thing, Gabby Dunn had a piece in Fusion a few years ago called The Sad Economics of Internet Fame, and I believe that you were, um, that's the opening clip. Yes. What these two cases do is reveal what life is like kind of beyond this glamorous curtain, the time, the energy that goes into this, but also the emotional labor required and how many months and years get invested in order to do this. And they provide a very different picture than what we typically see circulated around in mainstream media. I mean, every single day I feel like I come across a new article that's, you know, Instagrammers are getting paid $30,000 for a single post. Or the Blonde Salad, this blogger from Italy, is getting $8 million dollars. Mm which is a staggering amount that I can't even wrap my head around. But we we love these tales of success, and what we don't see are the stories of those who are not able to make it. They are not able to get paid doing this job that they love. And I think until we tend to see more of that, we're going to continue to valorize this sort of Internet celebrity as a path to easy and glamorous work. But if somebody said to you, you know, for 100 years people have moved 
to Los Angeles to be movie stars, right? People have dreamed mm-hmm. of being rock stars or being in the NBA or being in the NFL. And that's a, you know, a pyramid. So few people can fit on the top layer and so many people want to be the next big movie star or the next big rock star. Isn't this just new technology applied to an old, old dream, which is like being at the top, but it's almost impossible to get there. But, you know, Madonna got there. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there are Mm -hmm. people you can tell stories of people who did it. No, I think there's absolutely a a long history of, of this narrative that if you work hard enough, meritocracy, you you know, you'll rise to the top, you will be the best, you will become the superstar. But I think what's different is this emphasis and the promise that the new technologies hold for us to do this. Mm-hmm. Because there's this emphasis on democratizing technologies. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the idea that before I would have to move to Los Angeles right, and right. know that I was taking a huge risk. But mm-hmm. this isn't seen as a risk when right. I'm spending all my, my time and energy creating content for YouTube. Right, right. And so I think that's what we're seeing is different. It's it's an older story, but we're seeing the intensification and the acceleration right. of this promise. And the faith that this time is different. Exactly. Brooke Erin Duffy is an assistant professor of communication at Cornell University. She's also the author of Not Getting Paid to Do What You Love, Gender, Social Media, and Aspirational Work. Brooke, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was really lovely to chat. Thanks again, Kara. Duffy says that among the people she spoke to who were trying to channel their creative energy into income, many said that as they became more business-minded and they started paying attention to what articles got a lot of hits and were commented on and shared, they became less creative and more obsessed with numbers and giving their audience exactly what they wanted. We've got more on Gabby Dunn, the YouTube star that we talked to at the beginning of this segment, and a fascinating blogger named Heather Armstrong. She was once called the queen of the mommy bloggers, and her tangle with fame was tougher than you might expect. That's all at our website, innovationhub.org. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Destination Medical Center, fueling innovation, talent, and community in Rochester, Minnesota, home to Mayo Clinic. Learn more at dmc.mn. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com/CSB1.